the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Raising the Bar podcast. Um, I'm Kira Church and today I'm talking to Zoe Chan. Zoe is a student on the Bar Vocational course and she's going to be talking to us today a little bit about bringing disability to the bar, which is a new initiative. Um, Zoe, first, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? It's great to have you on the podcast. Yes, of course. Uh, Thanks for having me on here. Um, hi, I'm Zoe. I am a Asia student rep for City University of London. So I've actually been working with Kira for a bit already. Um, I'm also a Grayson scholar and I'm looking to pursue law in the areas of human rights and civil liberties. What makes you so interested in, in pursuing those two areas specifically? So is a bit like a this will go on into the typical pupilage answers but um <laughs> yeah give us your interview answers <laughs> yeah so um I am from Hong Kong you might be able to hear that from my accent if there's still any <laughs> left um yeah and growing up in Hong Kong I've been really really heavily influenced by the human rights lawyer in Hong Kong and China uh, I grew up going to protests for democracy and listening to to the leaders in those areas who are obviously, well, a lot of the times they are human rights lawyers themselves. So I grew up wanting to become those people. And later on, after graduating from university, I took a little bit of a gap to to just work a bit and decide if I actually want to become a lawyer. Uh, That's when I worked at the charity and in turn met a lot more Uh, human rights lawyers from around the world, uh, from the post-Soviet bloc, as well as um, the Philippines, Pakistan, just everywhere. It's always so inspiring to see human rights lawyers doing their thing, because in part of these kind of jobs, you see like the worst of humanity, but you also see the best of humanity in these people. And I just so want to become one of them um yeah after all of that wow I mean you'll definitely get pupillage with <laughs> with that answer and um, that's so so interesting um what charity did were you involved with yeah so I worked with the Equal Rights Trust um it's a tiny charity that punches way above its weight if I do say so myself <laughs> um yeah it's um very small but it um, basically brings the concept, well, best practice of equality and non-discrimination to around the world, not only helping different uh, civil society groups, but also giving training to lawyers. Um, maybe some lawyers are trying to make their legislation in equality law and non-discrimination law a bit better. And that's what they do a lot there. Oh, amazing. I feel like it's so important to have that toolkit. Um, I feel like some people think, oh, just all lawyers kind of know everything in every area. But having like specific toolkits to kind of tackle very specific human rights issues um, is so important, especially when you get into kind of almost the nitty gritty details of kind of legislation and different constitutions. Like it, it requires so much knowledge and like thought um to make sure that 
that it benefits people in the most effective way. That's so interesting. Um, and could you tell us, Elizabeth, I know you've said we're, we're both on the Aegis Committee, um, but maybe a bit more about your role on, on the committee? So what I do is I represent people that are also studying at City, mainly on the bar course, but also I've spoken to people that are, that are also on the GDL. I basically listen to what students are worried about and work as kind of like a first point of contact uh, if they have anything that they want to speak about, uh, any questions. Yeah, mainly that. Um, it's also helped by me being a student representative on city side. So I'm also a student rep um, on the bar course itself, like as an internal post. So I get information from the university and I convey that to the students. And um, part of it uh, is also just putting together information and sending it to people because we get loads and loads of emails from different organizations saying, oh, that's an event, um, that's another um, interview you can listen to or something like that. I just sent them out to our WhatsApp group and to our email and kind of really try to foster a little bit of a community and make everyone's life a little bit easier. I wouldn't sugarcoat it. The bar course is a difficult year anyway. So I guess just by doing small things like that, hopefully I make it a little bit easier, less lonely and um, make people feel more part of the inn. Definitely. And you definitely do because it is a hard and intense course. And just having everything running smoothly, kind of knowing almost the basic questions of, where is this building? Like, who do I go to for this? Um, and what events should I go to? What extracurriculars can I be doing? Like those very basic questions that you think just somehow you'll automatically know, but having the course reps is so, so important to kind of conveying all that information. Um, and you do a great, great job at it as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and also I realise we haven't really spoken that much about ages on the podcast, maybe bit of self-promo but also for potentially future students or students who haven't really got involved in the in Aegis um if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about how we got involved um and how you become a member of the the executive or committee are we a committee I think we're a committee yeah a committee <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, yeah so how I got to know Aegis was actually through an Aegis event uh, right before the bar course, I went to a webinar hosted by Rebecca, who at that point was um, the GDL rep uh, of Aegis. Now she's our president. She was talking, basically interviewing a few bar students that finished their course on what to prepare and what to work on uh, before starting the bar course. And I found that so helpful to hear from peers that are just a year above us to know, oh, like in the summer, I should probably read up on contract law, stuff like that. So um, I found that so helpful. And I asked at that webinar um, how I could meet more friends on the bar course. Part of it is because I've been out of the legal education world for two, three years after graduating. So I was looking for friends basically and she said well join ages I've 
gained great friends just being on the committee. So I did. Um, I put my name up for election when the time came. If you sign up with the inn, well, you have to sign up with the inn anyway if you are doing the bar course. But if you're just doing the GDR and if you sign up with the inn, you will get an email saying, hi, we're looking for new ages committee. Who wants to do what? And it'll come with a really comprehensive role description of some sort. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind yeah, of a, a big could, lengthy email. <laughs> yeah, like a long email that looks kind of intimidating, but basically it's just a vote and you just describe what you wish to do at what role and your peers will decide. I remember that um, each year, I was I was quite surprised actually when we got like another email saying, oh, we have some roads that's not filled. I thought it'd be mm-hmm. really competitive. But yeah, like it's definitely like I it's definitely a little bit more work, but I've definitely gained more friends. And yeah. It's it's like as how how much work you put in equals to how much more you gain from the inn. Yeah, it's just such a good experience. I cannot recommend that enough to everyone. Um, it's really, really made me like reap the benefits of being in the bar community. Honestly, um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I completely agree because I kind of joined for similar reasons. I kind of heard of it and thought it was a great way to kind of meet people. Especially, I was doing my first part of the bar course from home online, so I was like, I'm never going to meet anyone. Um, mm. But it's so nice. We just with our winter party that just happened, kind of walking into the room and kind of seeing familiar faces um, on the committee and getting to kind of see people um, in real life was was really cool. Um, and I, I will go on to what you're actually here to discuss, um, which is bringing disability to the bar. So could you tell us what is bringing disability to the bar? Yeah, so uh, bringing disability to the bar is a new initiative is been formed by students, aspiring barristers, in order to make the bar a bit more inclusive, understanding and accessible for disabled aspiring barristers. Because there's a lot of perceptions on disabilities right now at the bar, and it must be changed in order to ensure that disabled aspiring barristers can actually access the profession and feel included and supported. Um, a lot of the talk about inclusivity is not really backed up by action. So very quickly, for example, if you are a wheelchair user, you find it quite difficult to find information about uh, mini pupillages, especially when so many chambers are just in historic buildings that you would not be able to go in at all. Um, it's just simple things like that that make you understand, oh, actually, the bar says that it's trying to do more things to be accessible, but they're not really listening to the people that are looking at looking in and thinking, oh, I want to join the bar, and then, then seeing all these barriers. So that's kind of what bringing disability to the bar is trying to do, is to start the conversation and make this process a little bit better. <laughs> definitely I was I think I saw it was a job opportunity actually for an assistant to a barrister 
who was established, she was, uh, I would say, in her 40s, um, who was blind and looking for a student to help her out, like reading briefs and stuff, and mm. had been kind of working that way for years with um, kind of students who would assist her. Um, but before, I, I'd never really considered, oh, wait, there are actually a lot of very successful barristers who do have various disabilities. And I think it's so cool that, that we have now um, an organisation that are kind of bringing that conversation forward and saying, there are people here and how can we learn from them and how can we do even more for aspiring students? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But what is um, your your role? How did you get involved? So I actually got involved because I saw it on Twitter. We usually say be the bar as in like a short form of bringing disability to a bar. But how this initiative started was uh, through Twitter itself. Um, so I saw a call for researchers on Twitter and I sent in my CV saying, oh, I've done some community organizing. I know a little bit about making websites. I've done loads of legal research or whatever. How can I help? And got through an interview and that's how that's how I got involved myself. Uh, yeah. I mean, legal Twitter really is the place to be for job opportunities and getting involved and volunteering. I say that I think that's one of the best pieces of advice yeah, really that someone is. gave me was get on Twitter. Um, it's where everything apparently happens. Um, yeah. So, who did start the the organization? So, it was started by my friend Constantina, uh, Constantina Nuka. She is an aspiring barrister, and currently she's doing her masters in human rights and LLM. She's diagnosed with uh, muscular dystrophy, which makes it difficult for her to physically assess places so she is a wheelchair user and she actually tweeted last August saying hey will anyone want to join me in creating bring visibility to the bar and people turns out that's loads of uh, disabled or non-disabled allies students and aspiring barristers that are into this idea and want to help out so um, we now have an executive committee of around 24 aspiring barristers oh, wow. with and without disabilities. And we work together in order to shape the strategy and hopefully take some important next steps in the coming few months. That's amazing. And just to check, this might be a silly question, um, but when we talk about bringing disability to the bar... Are we mostly talking um, like physical disability or is there also kind of a desire to also talk about neurodiversity and, and that kind of thing as well? And I guess mental, I guess it's not mental health isn't a disability, but kind of also t touch on that conversation. Ah, uh, yes, this is a really good point, actually. A lot of times when we talk about disability, you think people that are physically disabled, but a lot of different disabilities are hidden. I myself have um, hidden disabilities with uh, mental health itself, actually. So I consider myself disabled because I have long-term mental health conditions that will need me adjusting my life, uh, living it as uh, maybe a little bit slower or taking a little bit more time, being a bit more careful with different things. 
but it's not really visible uh, to someone else because you see me and I'm just mm. like, yeah. So you, you can't really see that. And with our initiative, we definitely have a really wide range of different disabilities. We have people on the autism spectrum. We also have uh, people with uh, mental health, like long-term mental health conditions. Uh, we have people with physical conditions. And what we try really hard to do is to be as inclusive as possible with uh, the diversity of experiences. So, of course, there are points where we have to actually focus on physical disabilities and physical barriers. But it is so much more. It's, um it's about being inclusive to people's needs and trying to bring that to attention, develop best practice and make it better for everyone because disability should not be a barrier to anyone, to this profession. Definitely. I think inclusivity is so, so important because as much as kind of practical measures are essential and I guess what you're kind of aiming towards but it's that first step of recognition of saying like we see the people who struggle with mental health or mental disorders or um, neurodivergences or physical difficulties that are visible or invisible Um, and there are many different physical disabilities that are still invisible to the eye but may cause people who, who just like IBS sufferers who who have to go to the toilet a lot or get tired very easily or have very or can't stand for long periods of time which you kind of don't really think about but then a barrister has to stand all day in court and like little little things that can be made easier but just that first step of recognizing the issues that might exist is so so important. Yeah exactly a lot of the times it's also being visible and encouraging others to talk about it. I know personally, um, I found it really difficult to even admit that I have a disability because of how the bar is kind of structured to look, to have a stiff upper lip and not say anything about like our needs or wants. But that's so that's so ancient. That's such a weird way of thinking <laughs> in 2022. Uh, especially after we have so many more mental health campaigns and such and the it's okay to be not okay but when we talk about the bar you feel a bit weirder to say oh actually I feel really traumatized from doing this case it was very emotionally taxing on me it's almost expected for people to just take the hit and that's not okay at all um I think perhaps this is a bit more ambitious of me as someone that's still just on the journey of becoming a barrister but I feel it's really important for people in different levels of the bar to talk about their experiences and how that impacts people and it's only with these conversations that more people would be comfortable to talk about that. And I guess this is part of what the initiative really wants to do, is to get people talking. 
Definitely. I mean, I think that ambition is justified as hopefully in the next 20 or so years, we'll be at the the forefront of the league profession. And it's having people who are willing and wanting to have these conversations that should be kind of paving the way and um, receiving the baton and kind of then passing it down to make sure these conversations are happening and conversations we haven't even thought of um, will happen. Um, I was at a talk today and it Kind of what you were saying reminded me of they were highlighting the, in the law profession it's known that people do struggle with depression and alcoholism and it's a very very stressful career and these statistics are known and they're quite horrific but previously I don't think they were talked about so it's amazing that there's a campaign an organization that's not just talking about things but wanting to implement practical um, changes as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, it's kind of important not only for for us that are aspiring or us in the bar community to consider that yes, it is a stressful job. It's also important for people that are established already to understand there are so many things that can be done, mm. other than just um, so. For those listening later, we are recording on the International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. (laughs) Yes, Happy International Women's Day. Um, There are so many organisations today just using the hashtag of uh, the day and also talking about feminism. And um, I found it really similar, actually, to accessibility and to the... um, disability sphere in that saying saying that they are accessible is really trendy um Mm. organizations love to say oh like we're really accessible but what they actually do doesn't really say the same no that's so true we like I've also started noticing how bad (laughs) organizations and places are like at the cinema they say they have audio headsets for people um with vision difficulties but it turns out they may have one it might be broken and there's not actually whilst they may say oh it's available and we're so great it's interesting to see which places are actually putting the funding behind practical things like audio headsets and making sure that they have um wheelchair ramps or lifts um and I know it is hard as you were saying earlier with such historic buildings and many chambers and inns. But it is interesting to see who's putting the funding in to kind of make sure that they are adapting um, and who's listening to people who have the disabilities and listening to what people are saying they need and not just kind of brainstorming without people who have the conditions in the room, if you get what I mean. Yeah, exactly. And to whoever's in charge of chambers and sets and other law firms, the candidates are looking at it, not just disabled candidates, but all candidates are actually looking at it. We care about accessibility. It doesn't matter if it like actually affects us. You you making effort to making the whole recruitment or the whole building accessible indicates how much you care about your people. Mm. So it's well worth investing in. <laughs> That's so true. 
That's also a very good pupillage why our chambers answer that you've given there. <laughs> um, but do you think that there is a change in the bar? I know my course provider, there's a like a wellness module and they do seem to be kind of embracing the idea of wellness and accessibility and inclusion. Do you think there is a change, a positive change happening? I think that's a want for change. Whether that will translate, we're yet to see it. Um, I've definitely heard a lot more positivity in terms of uh, welcoming changes for accessibility, for reasonable accommodation and such. I've definitely experienced some more of these, I guess, schemes in the pupillage application timing I know that a lot more sets are happy or willing to give you reasonable accommodation within uh, the application or the interview stage but that's still so much to do and a lot of it doesn't really take into account intersectionality. I guess perhaps it's probably a good time for me to explain intersectionality. I was going to say, if you could explain what you mean by intersectionality in this context, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so a very easy example is someone with long-term mental health disabilities, um, such as me, um, would have a completely different experience with a woman with long-term mental health conditions. Um, I myself am a woman of colour, as quite evident in my name, Um, but that also compounds with my other identities of being a queer woman, of being a disabled woman, and that means my experience is entirely different from someone that might just be a queer woman of colour or just be a woman of colour. And a lot of the times accessibility has been focused on targeting different bits of these protected characteristics. And does that doesn't really take into account the compound effect of these protected characteristics that that happens to you, well not happens, like that associate with one individual. So a lot of what bringing disability to bar wants to do is to also raise awareness about intersectional challenges. Uh, We actually have an EDI team specifically for that. That's so interesting. I didn't realise that was kind of part of bringing disability to the bar, but I think that's so, so important because I feel like the term intersectionality can be thrown around a lot and I think there are still lots of people who aren't aware of its meaning but even when you kind of understand the concept it can still be difficult to kind of understand what that means practically in different settings so I think it's really cool that there's a devoted team to kind of figuring that out. Yeah and the I am not personally on that team but they can speak a lot more (laughs) about it. They actually look not only to the statutory protected characteristics but also to these specific experiences on structural issues such as racism, classism and ageism. Um, I'm sure everyone in within the bar community would definitely say 
classism is a big thing, and mm. that will only add compound issues to people that have perhaps a disability or any other protected characteristic that make them not a white man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think. Class is very, very important in those discussions because whilst it must be very hard and challenging for anyone suffering from any form of disability and pursuing a career at the bar, having certain privileges does make that easier. And I think it's great that there is that recognition of how some people are still privileged and how some people need even more a bit of a little leg up to kind of get on the same playing field. Are there any like specific things that you think either chambers or perhaps the inns could do to to really support aspiring barristers with disabilities or practicing barristers? Sure. I guess the first headline is to listen. Actually mm. listen. Uh, it's really cool that more people are willing to say we will do our best to be more accessible to you. We will accommodate your extra needs to make it a level playing field. But in having those conversations actually involve people that you wish to serve, it's very easy for chambers to send out like a list saying, oh yeah, we will definitely do a wellness day. Or um, actually a lot of companies do that now, just saying... Here are some tips for your mental health. But (laughs) did they even ask that, ask people what they needed? Mm -hmm. So I guess a lot of it is being, firstly, listening actually to what people need. Now, secondly, there really should be more targeted training on disability and accessibility, not just to barristers but also to all staff uh to to support staff so many sets have kind of some sort of seminar on equality but actually they don't really do i guess modern workplace training on disability and accessibility uh there are loads and loads of um different organizations that does it but I guess because of how the bar structured, it would be kind of difficult to have, oh, yeah, everyone go in for a training day. Um, <laughs> Just gather have... the entire of the bar. <laughs> yeah, like it, it will be quite difficult. But actually, there are, there are training. If we have more targeted training that runs, um, if we can have that SCPD hours, that would be really good. And... I guess the next thing is also getting the pupillage committee to commit to doing that on disability, on accessibility, and also on unconscious bias before they start the process. Mm. Um, that yeah, that would be really really good. There are some things coming up that that would be good for for bar the bar the chambers and the inns to do. So. BSB is doing a reverse mentorship scheme to get, I believe, as students of colour to reverse mentor people higher up in the career to talk That's about so what else can be done. Um, 
And here is where I'll plug us. Um, Beatabar is also working on a mentorship opportunity that will work similarly to pair people up, pair, pair disabled students up with someone higher up. It's currently in the planning phase, but will happen very soon. I kind of, I guess that does really demand recognition when you have schemes like that, because it's kind of, it forces people to, well, people who are willing to listen, but it forces people to have those tough um, conversations, but really facilitates those tough conversations, which I think can be so hard because people, I think, have a tendency when talking about disability to not want to offend, but that can sometimes lead to not wanting to ask genuine questions that can facilitate change I guess yeah and I guess it's also fostering like a safe environment for both ends Mm. just talking about what is needed and actually what we've been speaking about it sounds so much like common sense to our generation but perhaps it's not to um, older generations through no fault of their own it's just all these terms had been coined and delivered quite recently. So definitely it will be it will be helpful for them to say, you're not going to offend anyone. No one's going to cancel <laughs> you for asking these questions. We just ask you to listen and see how you can help. Definitely. And I think out of all the points you mentioned there, that is one that is very easy to do but probably people don't think of um doing I think the other two seem to require kind of what we're talking about earlier of funding and like chambers and inns need to show that they are committed by funding these training events and kind of almost putting their money where their mouths are and saying yes we want to support our students and aspiring barristers and really invest in the future of of these people who would be great additions to the bar. But is that a, a challenge that Beda Bar kind of faces, kind of the almost getting people invested and listening? Well, no, not really. It's been such a great time, actually, because as um, we had a really successful launch event mm. and we've just been we've just been hearing from so many members of the bar saying, hey, that's such a good idea. And we've also gained a really core network of uh, barristers and people in the bar community also working on accessibility issues. So such as all bar, um, barristers with lived experience of mental illness, so the blemmy, B-L-E-I-M-I. And also that's a podcast called Disability Not a Bar. Um, We've gained so many friends. And actually, I think it's more about being there for the very, I guess, like the minions of the bar community. (laughs) Yeah, the the newbies um, and being a voice for them. Yeah, it seems like you're kind of just consolidating a community that already existed yeah it really feels like it because having is a really really humbling experience to hear from 
people that are so many years into a profession that I can only dream of <laughs> getting into. Um, I'm sure this is not like a unique experience of thinking, oh my gosh, like these barristers are just like godly concepts of intelligence. But actually through speaking to them, you realize they are just people like us. They might be like 10 years, 20 years into their career. But that's only because they're 10 years, 20 years older than we are. They are still people. <laughs> and it's, it's such, it's very, very grounding as well to just hear from them and hear from how they, like, especially those barristers that live with disability, hear about how they've overcome the difficulties without without even the talk of um, reasonable accommodations, of how they kind of paved their way and how they want to make it easier for the newer generation. It's, it's been really, really good. And I hope that this initial show of welcome can translate into something even bigger later on. Oh, that's so lovely to hear, because I know you're saying earlier, like, it's so nice as students to have people who are just year ahead to connect with. But you're right, it's also so nice, especially at all the events I've been to at Grey's, having established barristers who are kind of the reassuring ones. So like, you'll be here in the next few years. Um, I'm being so, so supportive. So it's amazing that there's been such support for um, BDA. BDA. <laughs> what, what's yeah. the shorthand? Beta bar. Be the bar. <laughs> but do you have any advice maybe for students who are not yet on the bar course or kind of aspiring barristers but maybe still at the uni stage who haven't quite decided on the bar um who may have a disability and are kind of considering whether this is a career for them of course first of all I was once in your shoes and the stigma of mental health and long-term mental health conditions made me really worry about even seeking treatment for fear of it impacting on my career. Um, I remember in my second year, uh, this might be a bit too personal, cut it out if it's too much. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember being in my second year of university, really contemplating on getting my mental health conditions diagnosed and treated and I remember asking my GP will this show up on any on any paperwork because I want to become a barrister and I don't want them to know that I have I have had these mental health conditions now that's quite a few years ago and I still am mentally ill it's likely that I will be for probably the rest of my life and that I'll have to take medicine for it for the rest of my life. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't make me less of an advocate. It actually makes me a better advocate. Mm. So first of all, don't worry that it might hurt your chances because, well, if they actually discriminate you on the basis of your disability, that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and because of how I've had to 
explain what I need, what, what, um, so because I've had to learn to be clear and firm about reasonable accommodations that I might need to perform on the same level as my peers, I've gained so much more advocacy experiences. Like, it's not great that I have to advocate for myself, but in this world, and if I flip it on the other side and look at it positively, I've gained so much more advocacy experience. And that's what you need at the bar. You need to be an advocate, not just for other people, but also for yourself. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, considering that, it's still your decision to disclose or not. So don't feel pressured to just go into a room and explain everything to everyone. It's, it's your decision. If you're not comfortable, don't, because it, it is your decision still. Uh, I guess that's my very big first point <laughs> of, of being, yeah, of being brave and being clear and firm and learning to advocate for yourself. I guess the second point would be to read about the barristers with disabilities and how they've done it. Just do a Google search. There's actually loads. And I'm, I can almost guarantee you that there's a barrister with similar disabilities that's done it, been there, done that. See how they've done it. And if they... If they speak a lot about their experiences, there's no harm in reaching out and seeing how they've gone, how they've gotten where they to go to where they are. <laughs> so it might be just very simply saying, "Hi, can I? Uh, hi, I I also suffer from X condition. I noticed that you are now at the bar for how many years? I wonder what kind of." A reasonable accommodation you've had that helped you or I wonder who um, you've spoken to that has given you advice and barristers in general it might be because <laughs> it might be because I've just had really positive experiences but barristers in general will re- will be really really keen to help new ones especially if you also have similar disabilities so read about them and try to talk to them and see how they've done it because if they've if they've like gone through the difficult bit of trying to get someone in, something in place or that makes the job doable then why not just ask them how they did it instead of just trying to go pave your way again mm, definitely I think representation is so so important because you can learn so much from others and hopefully with all the work that um, bringing disability to the bar are doing and the work that other organisations are. Hopefully it will never be as hard as it has been in the past and hopefully there'll be increasingly increasing support measures that can help people. Um, But thank you so much for sharing your story as well. Um, I think it's so inspiring, I guess, to hear someone who, who has difficulties but is open about it and kind of wants to use their experiences to help others so thank you very very much and just to round up where can we find bringing disability to the bar and also if there are any plugs of events or panels or anything that you would like to do um feel free (laughs) yeah so 
You can find Bring Disability to the Bar on Twitter is bdabar.org, so O-R-G. Um, it's the same handle on Instagram. You can find us on LinkedIn with the same name. Uh, we are looking to recruit some more people to join our team soon as well for our schemes, for our events team, and for our blocking legal updates team uh, because of the really generous welcome we've had in uh, from the bar community. Our workload has really expanded. So we need more people to join our lovely initiative and support us in making the bar more accessible and more inclusive. So if this sounds like what you'd like to do, join us, shoot us a DM, come on. <laughs> if you are, <laughs> yeah, if you are, if you are working, if you're a barrister, if you work for a set, um, and if you'd like to get in touch with us on the mentorship planning and maybe joining us for an event, please feel free to email us um, for the mentorship one is mentorship at bdabar.org. And for events is events at bdabar.org. But you can also find us on all the various social media and we'll get you sorted. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Zoe, for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at AGI Students.